Till 5. Hello and welcome to another episode of Game Tour 5. My name is Steph and I'm joined by my lovely co-host Nikki. Hello, hello. How's it going, Nikki? Not bad. It's pretty cold now. It is. And uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm in, I'm in a onesie. You are doing the fashion well. I'm just wrapped in a, a blanket like an old babushka. Nice. That's how you normally are, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, this is just standard dress for me at this point. <laughs> but yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good. Um, I don't have much to report again. We're 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 still in lockdown, like proper lockdown again, so we can't see each other. No, we had we had a nice evening before it all all commenced. We we had just we said we were going to have a party and just have a massive rager, and you know, but we didn't because we're old. We're old <laughs> in our hearts. But we ate some nice food and we celebrated lockdown 2.0. Well, not celebrated. No one wants to celebrate a lockdown. Um, but yeah, we we haven't seen each other in a while. But we're coming to the point where we're maybe going to be able to see each other. We should just go for a walk soon, shouldn't we, really? Why am I bringing this to the podcast? No one needs to know that we're planning a walk. <laughs> Super important and uh, good information. Here that could be next episode's news. Oh. We just went for that walk. We'll take pictures and you could we'll share them somewhere. You can see our wintry walk. <laughs> That's the height of excitement these days. The news. <laughs> we went for a walk. I think that's the height of excitement because of that's our that's our intro conversation. No one eats no one is a lot more fun. It's this time it's like, Oh, we should totally go on a walk this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stay two metres apart. Oh god. Right. Anyway. Um, one thing we are going to do, which we haven't done in a while, and I found today, we're going to bring back breakfast time. And if you don't know what breakfast time, this is bre- what breakfast time is. Breakfast! Right, Nikki, what did okay, you have for breakfast? I had a very embarrassing breakfast today because I didn't know we were doing breakfast. I had hula hoops and a cookie. <laughs> nutritious breakfast of a well-balanced creature i had um coffee (laughs) oh we're so healthy yeah we didn't plan that we would have breakfast all right i'm gonna turn breakfast off i feel like we need to just quickly make what what breakfast is if you've never been here before because we segued into that very quickly yeah um we once had a thing where we asked everyone what you would like us to do for our intros this was before nikki's news i think really became a thing and um and we put out you know like a poll and I thought it was funny to just put breakfast as an option because I thought nobody would pick it. Um, it was we ended up having this thing called breakfast that everyone voted for. We basically tell everyone what we had for breakfast. And as you can imagine, I really did not plan. We did not plan this because if we had, I would have probably had a better breakfast than a packet of crisps and a homemade cookie that I made because I was in a hurry and I woke up late for work. So yeah. That's I mean, breakfast. Yeah. That is breakfast. It's a good description. Let us know well, if you want breakfast back because we clearly don't have any news. Maybe we should bring back breakfast. Breakfast. Yeah. Breakfast. I think that happened the last time we had breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's all just going back in time now. It's all turning yeah. into one big flat circle. It's making me anyway, sad. Anyway, this has been a lovely intro. It has, uh, full of interesting and nutritious facts. Um, so I'm just going to carry on with our episode about what we're actually supposed to be talking about, which is uh, today's top five. And that is going to be, uh, what did we decide on? Winter winter season games. games? Top five games to play over winter. Yeah, I to play say. throughout the whole season. So this could be from now till Christmas till, you know, early kind of March time when we're all still cold and miserable. Yes. Yeah. Any times, anything you like to cozy up with, I feel like. 
cozy up in front of the fire. Yeah. With some hot chocolate. Oh, yeah. Cup of tea. Some biscuits. Just, just yeah. And I, this is the one interesting thing about this one. It's going to be very subjective, this top five, for a lot of people, I think. I think yeah. a lot of people will have a lot of different things that they like to play in winter. And it's not going to be like, this isn't like top five games that we recommend that you play over winter, because some of them might be a bit weird. But it's just a kind of, you know, to be able to chat about what, you know, we think is nice. If you're into that kind of thing, if you're not, it'd be good, just good to get some kind of ideas and stuff. Find out what everybody likes to to do. Yeah, I also feel like this is going to be an episode where we don't have a lot of crossovers for that reason, because it's a very odd subject. Yes, we'll see. Yeah, um, if we do, if you've not listened to our podcast before... Um, I have a top five and Nikki has a separate top five and we have not discussed this beforehand. So sometimes uh, we have crossovers. Um, and in that case, uh, this gentleman will play. Oh! And alert everybody that someone screwed up. We had a lot of crossovers in our last episode. We did. So hopefully none today. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't think so. But you know, it, it could happen. Um so yeah, let's um let's just get into our top five then, shall we? Yes. What are you buying? How about a game of lucky hit? A three-headed monkey. Let's go. So my number five is a game that I don't think we've spoken about before. And I'm sorry if we have. It definitely has been brought up by me. And it's actually quite a new game that I'm playing mm-hmm. in winter. Because we are in winter now. It's yeah. I've accepted that it's basically Christmas time. I'm one of those people that has just accepted Christmas. Um, and I, I've started playing Minecraft. Oh, nice. Have you played Minecraft before? I don't think I ever have, you know. Uh, it's always been one of those things where I don't think that it's for me. But it seems fun. You know? Yeah, it, it's a weird one. I'm still very new to it and I still have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Um, and a lot of the time I've just been wandering around just hitting stuff. Mm. But it, it's it's nice. So the game is a sandbox video game. So it's very much like you make it your own. You kind of are able to do whatever you want. It was developed by Mojang and the game was created by Marcus Person. Swedish game, I think. I think, I think everyone is Swedish who made this game and yeah. continues to do stuff with the game. Um, but yeah, in, in Minecraft, you kind of explore like a blocky procedural generated 3D world and it's it's infinite, I think, for the most part, to an extent. And I think a lot of the worlds that are loaded up are one of those things where it just kind of generates just shit like monsters, yeah. animals. And you can, you know, it's a lot of like extracting raw materials, crafting stuff. You can build stuff. Obviously, people do like crazy things in Minecraft, like make Hogwarts, uh, Middle Earth. And I think somebody made Europe I heard the other day, <laughs> uh, which is which is crazy. And I wish I had more facts that were like related to the things that people have made in Minecraft, but I, but I don't because I failed you all. But yeah, there's no goal to accomplish. You just kind of explore this big amount of land and just choose how you want to play it. You can do a lot of fighting as well and you can play with your friends. You can compete with other people. And I think survival mode is like the biggest one where you effectively just have to like live. 
Um, I think I've just done like the real peaceful one. I've just gone in. I'm like, no monsters attack me. Let me just wander around and just explore because it is also just an exploring time. Mm. Um, I, I streamed a little bit of it. It was a bit of a shit show because I didn't know what I was doing, but I met some cool animals and I, you know, just did some stuff. But I think the one thing I love about this game and the one reason why I love to play it in like winter kind of time is because it's really cozy. It's the music, I think, is in part to to blame for the sheer coziness that it brings me. Really nice, cute music. And the music I was listening to in Minecraft way before I was even playing Minecraft. It's been in like my sleep playlist for like two years, I think, the Minecraft music. Wow. Yeah. And so it's a really nice time, I think, to be able to play a game like that and just to chill out and, and just to be like in this nice, peaceful world, especially nowadays, because obviously you can't really go outside. So why not play more sandbox stuff, you know? Yeah, I think, like you said, winter especially is a time for sandbox. And then with lockdown and everything going on, combined with that more, you know, please stay inside mentality, mm -hmm. sandbox is probably, if you were going to get into a sandbox now is the time. I've always really struggled with stuff where it's so open um, and there's like goals are your own kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I've always struggled to get into that because I just go like, I want, I need somebody to give me these goals. I'm terrible. I'm not, I'm not creative enough to. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get myself to do. Or I'm at least, I think for now, my, my goal is just to be able to figure out how to build stuff. And I probably won't build very much. I'll probably just be like an explorer kind of survival person. But I also, what I love to do in Minecraft is, now I don't know how I can do this because I have it on Xbox One. Um, and I know it's not PC and I know a lot of the cool stuff's on PC, but if anyone knows, how to do this. I want to go explore some of the cool places that people have made. Like I want to go to see like all the amazing things that people have spent all this time doing. I think there's a Ghibli one, oh, uh, cool. like a Ghibli world, like a server. I want to do that. I don't know how to do that, but that's like my aim is to do that. So, and it's winter, I've got the time to do it. So yeah, go see, see that. I think that would interest you more, like just going to other people's stuff. It's like yeah. um, things like Mario Maker and stuff. The, the thing that really interests me in games like Mario Maker and Dreams are the fact of like I want to see what other people are making and I think I'd spend all my time in those places than making my own and contributing which sounds awful because I'm just like I'm just gonna abuse all of your shit rather than make anything for myself <laughs> that's okay at least you know yeah <laughs> I own up to it I'll put it on my profile somewhere <laughs> so you can all know um but yeah Minecraft is definitely one of those things like it's such a phenomenon like there's just so much around it it's one of those things where i oh, wish God, yeah. you know i wish i'd gone into it and i know quite a few people who play with friends and i feel like maybe if you all had decided you were going to make something together that might spur me on a little bit more if you know what i mean well that's it and it was saying like about nowadays it, you can play with friends and i think that's like quite a nice thing is to be able to have that kind of interaction and just kind of because it's, it's quite cool to be in a sandbox world anyway but then being in a sandbox world with friends feels a lot more fun because someone might be a little bit better at actually being like hey guys let's do this instead of just like existing and being like well now what you know so it might be more of like a a thing i'm just gonna stare at this block for five minutes <laughs> i'm just gonna hit this yep. which is to be fair what i was doing when i was in minecraft for the first time was i think i picked up a bit of mutton and I was just hitting everything with mutton, <laughs> including villagers. And so, wow. yeah, but I learned from that. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad someone, uh, did Did you learn or did someone have to tell you to stop it? I was I was sort mutton. of taught after this, you know, okay. I, was, I was shown the ways of how to play Minecraft, not just hitting people <laughs> with mutton, um, which, you know, is my default thing I do in life if I don't know what's going on. I just find some mutton and I just start 
throwing it around. It's true. She's been banned from many places before. <laughs> many places. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I've got some facts. Oh, cool. That's the most important part of the top five, isn't it? The facts. Yeah. And that's all I think most people come for. They'll probably skip through us talking about Shashi. Yeah. So there was a lot of, a lot of Minecraft facts and trivia because this is a, I wouldn't say it's an old game, but it's a big following for this game. There's a lot of uh, like references. There's just a lot of shit going on in Minecraft. So there was a lot of facts. A lot of them were wholesome, yeah. which was nice. Oh, nice. But cool. one of my favorite facts was apparently there is a one in 2,500 chance that a rabbit will spawn hostile and attack players who come within four blocks. This <laughs> rabbit is referred to as the killer rabbit of Kerbanog in the player death screen. This is an Easter egg based off of the rabbit of Kerbanog from the British comedy film Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Amazing. Yeah, very cool. It's my favourite. Um, and so there's an enemy called the ghast, which is basically like a ghost. It looks like a ghost. But apparently the sounds of the ghast were recorded from composer and sound designer C418's pet cat, which I have some some noises to play for you now. Oh, amazing. I was hoping. They might sound a bit weird, but then the ghast sounds weird. <laughs> coming from your cat mate please go to the vet <laughs> i was gonna say when it started i could hear the cat i was like all right that's some that's some fairly standard cat noise cute, like me yeah and then it goes <laughs> scream what did you do to your cat to get that noise <laughs> um and speaking speaking of, oh. of other sound effects from things there is there is something else too oh. so there is also another enemy called the Endermen, which I think it actually two facts in one. Uh the name of, of the Endermen was was based on was based on Slenderman, as you can probably imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently the Enderman sounds are from uh, a person saying hi and what's up backwards and distorted. Okay. So I can play that for you too. Oh amazing. Oh this isn't ex- as exciting as I'd hoped. It's still going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's terrifying. Yep. So that's high and what's up backwards apparently. I mean that's clearly been way more distorted than uh <laughs> they were like a little the... bit of distorted no. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. What did it sound like before you added? I forgot I forgot to mention that the people that they recorded it from were demons, but yeah. <laughs> Just like the idea of someone having like a really sweet voice, just like ha, ah! <laughs> it just made it that monstrous. <laughs> just becomes that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be impressed. Anyway, yeah. enough of the sound time. Um, we're going to end on a, a nice wholesome fact, which is that apparently the United Nations Human Settlements Program has a mission to create or improve 300 public spaces in the developing world by 2016. This was obviously in the past. This led them towards Mojang in Sweden and their game Minecraft. They did a partnership that basically spawned um, this thing called Block by Block, which uses Minecraft to help teach young people in the planning of urban public spaces. Haiti, Nepal, India, and Rwanda and Kenya are countries undergoing projects with the help of said program. Which I thought was really nice. Oh, that is a really sweet fact and a really cool thing that's being yeah. done there. There was like a, quite a few studies actually um, that I read like a while ago, um, but they were around the idea of how you can use video games to teach people to do a lot of stuff um 
and people retain it because they remember that it was a kind of a fun thing and it's rewarding because you get like feedback for doing you know the right stuff um so that's really cool that it's actually being applied somewhere in a really yeah. cool way and that's my number that's my number five that's my first game of the list i like it it's an interesting i wasn't expecting it so that's always a fun one um yes. so my number five is uh ori and the blind forest Nice. I'm not sure if you've played this one. I couldn't remember. Is this the newest one or the old one? This is the old one. I've not played the newest yes, one. Yes, I did play the old one. Okay, cool. Yeah. So as you know, it's a side-scrolling platform game, kind of Metroidvania based, which if you don't know Metroidvania, it's like a subcategory of video games. Uh, it's basically the blended name of Metroid and Castlevania um, because it tends to be the mechanics of both games, uh, which feels like it's really popular at the moment. Like, think uh dead cells and i think the one that kind of kicked it off was super meat boy and those kind of things celeste mm-hmm. is another one it's like that trial and error kind of game where you go across a large world like scrolling along but you've got to get through different areas and different doors using certain like abilities and weapons and things that you collect and ori is just a beautiful version of that kind of game um I re- the reason I was really interested when it first kind of came out was just the look of it, I think, because um, it's just such a cool looking video game. The art in it, um, if you've ever seen it, is this real magically feeling. It's like colorful and uh, it's got an art style, which I always really enjoy when games actually manage to get like a proper style in. It just always feels yeah. cool. Um, it's really pretty. Yeah. And I think there's just lots of lights and stuff and it feels very... Like, it's about spirits in the forest, and it feels like that. Um, Like, the main story, I won't get too into it. Um, I'll just kind of describe a little bit about it. Um, You play as Ori, which is, like, a white guardian spirit creature, and Sen, who is, like, the light and eyes of the thing called the spirit tree, who's basically narrating your story. Um, Ori falls from a tree as, like, a newborn um, and is taken in by a creature called Naru, who raises it of its own and it's this really sweet kind of stuff um and then basically an event happens uh to the forest and then Ori is kind of thrust out into action to go and save the forest um and that's kind of the basis of it i won't go into too much because it's really worth watching even if you just kind of watch the first like bit of the um the cutscene of the game it's just really sweet um the music of it is also really nice i always think like i had this is like you said with minecraft it's one of those games where I had the soundtrack on before I played the game. I don't know how yes. I found it, but I just found it. And I was like, oh, this is beautiful, peaceful music um, kind of thing. It's I want, it's quite a hard game. That's the only thing. I was literally about to say, I loved this game. It was really lovely, but I was so frustrated by the difficulty in it. I just died all the time. And that's the point of it. Like that's kind of the the feature of these games and that's what's popular at the moment. And I don't love it. I have to say that. Like I do really enjoy this mm. game, but it's definitely one of those things where it's like it's trial and error. Um yes. like you've gotta you basically do have to do stuff a few times to learn like when to hit this button and when to do this move and it's that so if you are really ever put off by that kind of gaming then it's not a game for you (laughs) it's massively about that um this is one of these games where i started it ages ago on like xbox um i played a bit of it enjoyed it but i do remember it being difficult and then i put it down and i've left it for a really long time and i've only recently 
uh, picked it up again and I bought it on Switch instead because uh, I felt like... Oh, that's a bit of a better place for it, I think. That's what I figured. I was like, you know what? This is somewhere where I don't mind spending an hour trying to do something quite quickly. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. kind of do a bit of a level and then put it down. And if it annoys me, I could put it down and it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so I felt like the Switch would feel right for it. Um, and so far, so like it has felt really nice. So maybe that's the yeah. right platform some games just need the right platform you know yeah for sure i i think that i would like to try the new one i will do what i do with all of these games all the time which is exactly what i did with the first one is i play it for as long as i possibly can before i end up getting frustrated and annoyed at it but in those times that i do play it i do really enjoy myself yeah before i rage quit and never play it again <laughs> i think that's it you need like long breaks sometimes from these games like uh, i was playing celeste recently and it's the same thing like i pretty much have finished that game other than the last bit that i've got to do and i keep trying to do it attempting it for about an hour getting so angry with it and then putting it down again so i feel like Ori yeah. is similar uh where it takes me a while but it is a great it is a great game like i said it is very pretty and uh and fun despite the the rage quits you just have to be prepared for the rage quit um nice yeah uh some facts i've just got a couple facts um on this uh and that is that apparently ori was supposed to have multiple brutal and violent deaths um during development he had like stuff where he got cut in half uh and like landed on spikes and spikes went through him um and apparently that's well they changed it for final release and he now just like poofs into sparkles when he dies uh which is much nicer but i just like did this beautiful, lovely game just had these brutal, like, brutal... Massacres. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a very different feeling. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, fact I had was that there are a lot of Easter eggs in this game. Uh, they love putting an Easter egg in. There's loads and loads and loads. Um, but I had uh, two that I enjoyed um, the most, uh, two or three. So one is, like, a Triforce can be found etched into the back of a tree. Uh, oh, in one of the levels. Uh, apparently, originally, that was a part of like a half fact that I found out about it was that they originally kind of wanted it a bit Zelda minigame-ish for some reason. Um, okay. And it was kind of about collecting music, kind of like Ocarina of Time, where you find a piece of music and it unlocks the next area. Um, but I think that got scrapped, obviously. Um, then also Super Meat Boy himself can be found trapped in ice in a level. He's just mm-hmm. like sat in the thing. And another another one I had was that um, bashing into a certain green, I think it's like a green spitter uh, off of a ledge will cause the famous Wilhelm screen to play. Uh, <gasps> do you yes. know that? You know that one? I'll yeah. play it. Just thought like got we, it. Do it. Do it. Just my favorite yell. <laughs> I think I feel like we discussed it on the podcast somewhere about that scream. I, I think it's in games yeah. a lot. I think that's something that's why we might have discussed it. But sometimes it sounds like he's he's having fun, you know. Sometimes it doesn't sound like a pain. Sometimes it sounds a bit like you know, a bit saucy, <laughs> a bit of a joy, a scream of pure ecstasy. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, Make, I'm dirtying your facts as I mean, usual. Yeah, and this is such a cute game. We're just smushing all over it. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, that's kind of it. It was, uh, yeah, that's the only, that's the facts I had. So, okay. Yeah. It's my number five. All right. We're on to my number four. Mm-hmm. So, I must warn everyone that some of mine will be a little bit more Christmas based. And um, that's primarily just because for me, like, Christmas is just a large part of winter. Obviously, that, I mean, that's a fact. That's not just for me. That's just a general fact. And, uh, and so that therefore means that. The games that I want to play over Christmas are going to be on this list. 
And this game is on my list because of the fact that it has a Christmassy event, and that is Overwatch. Oh, cute. Yeah, and I think we've spoken about Overwatch a few times before. Um, it is a game that I do like to play, despite the fact that I'm not really typically into these kinds of games. Um, it's kind of like an exception for me, this game. I, I'm not really just a first-person shooter, just playing, you know, just mindless points and, and payloads just to, like, encap it. It's like, kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's a hero shooter, isn't it, I guess? it's Yeah. It's... The base of it, there's no story. It's just kill everyone. Yeah, it's a it's a multiplayer shooter. Um, yes, at its core. So like the closest things are things. I mean, there's newer ones now like Valorant and stuff, but things like Call of Duty and stuff were the closest. Yeah, I really before that. But yeah, this, I'm the same one, as you. Like never yeah. before. It's it just it has something about it, and and I you know I love the character design, and you know there's over, there's over like thirty characters I think now that you can pick the heroes, each with like a different style. Um, which is like divided into three general roles like uh, DPS, healing and tank. And uh, and there's just, I think the reason I love it at Christmas, it's something that I always look forward to. And to me, I'm like, it's not winter. It's not like proper Christmassy time yet, unless the Overwatch event is out. It's one of my favorite like Christmas events of any game. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly just because I'm a fashion whore. I love <laughs> the Christmas skins and I love, the vibe that it has like I love what they do to the maps when they make all the maps snowy and like jingly I don't know what it is about like that what Overwatch does so well with their Christmas event it just it just fills me with like joy and I feel happy that it's winter I feel happy that I can like look forward to this game yeah you know I think there are just those things in games sometimes where it's like it's like the coke Christmas Christmas advert right yes seeing that (laughs) not not cocaine no I mean that would be (laughs) Can you imagine if they just started putting that on TV? Guys, come on, have some Christmas. I mean, You'll have a great time. At this time. point, 2020, probably going to happen. I mean, they need something to spice up the Christmas party this year. <laughs> oh, make out with each other and have office gossip. Um, yeah, like there's those things that symbolize Christmas for you. Um, over the years, they've just become mm. ingrained. Like mine is just Wallace and Gromit. The moment I see Wallace and Gromit, that's it. I'm in Christmas mode. Yeah, um, that's so true. Yeah, and uh, like you said, for you, it's it's the Christmas Overwatch stuff. And you're right, it's a nice event. And the Christmas skins are always great. Yeah. And there's like emotes and stuff. And yeah, it's it's just it's just warming to me. And mm-hmm. uh, and I don't really like winter. I'm not a winter person. It's not something that I look forward to. The only part I like about winter is Christmas. So of course, a lot of my picks are probably going to be something like that. I can't really talk too much about Overwatch. As I said, it's a very simple FPS, capture the kind of point, kill the the other people kind of thing. There's not like, I can't tell you this big deep story. I mean, yeah, some of the heroes have backstories, but meh, that's that's all I can give you. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. For the Christmas event, they always also do like a special mode, right? Um, So Christmas is May Snowball. One, That's true. Like, the, yeah, the May Snowball one, where you basically get to fire icicles in each other in each other's heads. Um, oh no, it's not ice. Yeah, sorry, it is, it is actually balls, but I think it's snowball. quite aggressive. It's, it's quite a violent event. Yeah, I mean, you're just um, murdering each other with snowballs. It's not pleasant. No, like really knocking them out. Um, and then there's also the Yeti one. I can't remember what that's called. It's just oh yeah, where you where Winston have... mm. the gorilla is now a Yeti, and you mm-hmm. have to like gotta get the meat away from him i can't remember something like that to be honest with you i'm actually not a fan of the actual 
mini game things that they put in for the Christmas events. It's more just yeah. the skins and the maps that I like and everything like that. Uh, because I'm a loot whore as well. I'm a fashion whore and a loot whore. Love a good loot box. Give me all the loot boxes and the stuff to be had. Um, you know, the the actual like games that they do for winter can can don't really care. I mean, give me some better ones. That's that's what I'm demanding of Blizzard. Yeah. Please give me some better ones because I'm just not into those. All I want is uh I want Arissa as a reindeer. Well, we'll get to that. Oh god. <laughs> Let's go on to some facts. Let's go and we'll get yeah. to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, so here is a fact for anybody that's German. Oh, from nice. Germany, because I don't get this fact, but it's a fact. So apparently there's a coffee shop in Eichenwald, which is one of the uh, one of the maps. Uh, and Reinhardt is German, as far as I'm aware. But this this coffee shop lists, I'm not going to be able to say this right, Cosa Kisavel on its menu, which is apparently a reference to Loriot, I think that's how you say the name, a German comedian. So Kokensavel is a fictional dessert that originates from one of his skits and roughly translates to Cossack's Cusp. No idea, but I just feel like someone would appreciate that. And someone I'm here that for everybody. Great. Uh, also, apparently the arrivals board in the Nimbani airport terminal features the locations of Activision Blizzard's offices around the world, including Seoul, Cork, Buenos Aires, Madrid, Paris, Shanghai, Austin, Mexico City, Los Angeles, Versailles and Irvine, which I thought was kind of cool. Nice. Yeah, that is cute. Uh, and a very wholesome fact. I have another wholesome fact. Well, I say wholesome, it's very, very sad, but it's like heartwarming, is that um, apparently Hong Yu Wu, a Chinese Overwatch player, apparently lost his life bravely chasing a motorbike thief on May 23rd, 2016. A memorial was placed in his honor on the control center map on Lijiang Tower in Overwatch, where the name Hong Zhu is placed on one of the red team's spacesuits. The phrase, heroes never die, is also added to the background behind it. And when I read that, I wanted to cry. Oh, that's so cute. I know That's it's really, really sad, but yeah, sad but nice memorial. But kind of, kind of sweet that they did that. Yeah. So, let's get on to the thing that I was about to talk about. Oh yeah, which is obviously the, the Overwatch event starts. I think probably about maybe like between the 9th and eleventh of um, December. If you are mm -hmm. interested in Overwatch, if you're a person that's that's not news. That tends to be when it comes out. But people have been guessing some of the skins this year. I'm sorry if you don't care about Overwatch, but I'm going to list some of the ones that we potentially might be getting this year. And I've made guesses as to who these people are going to be because other people have also guessed the people that might be getting the skins. So apparently it might be a gingerbread, gingerbread skin. Nice. It might be like Bastion, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Apparently there might be a reindeer skin, which oh. I think might be Arissa. It has to be Arissa. Main. She's the yeah. most horse-like one. <laughs> has to be. Uh, a snowman. I'm not quite sure who'd get a snowman skin. Mm, there picky? might be yeah maybe there might be a grinch skin which i thought would be very cool having oh. like a little grinch skin in the game uh that could be reinhardt genji maybe are the yeah, ones that are like predicted to get them I uh, a woman woman skin. Woman <laughs> yes grinch. a woman grinch would be very cool actually maybe like sombra would would suit like a kind of uh, yeah she would totally suit a grinch one yeah uh, a ball ball which i think would be hammond because he's like round <laughs> in his little <laughs> yeah, ball form. or diva maybe i'm not sure uh, a tree angel which i think might be symmetra potentially yeah or mercy maybe that's very true actually uh or and the last one is a wrapped present which i wouldn't be bashing because he's already has a wrapped present skin but it might be diva maybe her mech will be like a wrapped present oh yeah i can imagine her with a little bow on her head yeah so yeah anyone that does play overwatch 
Uh, there's some like, you know, some rumours and some excitement there for you to look forward to, potentially what we're going to get. That could be all wrong and all incorrect, but hey, don't sue me. <laughs> I mean, it's just guesses. It's speculation. At yes, point, it's, it's okay. just speculation that I got off the internet. So that's yeah. my that's my number four. Nice. Yeah, again, not an expected one, but a good one, one I wouldn't have thought of. Um, my one, my number four, again, I don't think I'm going to have this one, is called Astrobot Rescue Mission, and it is a VR game. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, so it's a good VR game. It is a good, it's a great VR game. So it's a PlayStation VR game, uh, developed by Japan Studios, uh, who do a couple of other ones um, for Sony. Um, it is essentially like a platforming game in VR, um, and it's just it's the most adorable game. Um, you basically control Astro, who is a tiny little robot on a mission to save his crew from various levels. So you travel around worlds. It's like typical platform kind of layout. You go to a world, you have to go through it quite linearly, collect as many of your robot friends as you can, and then you just kind of leave and finish the level. Um, and then I think there's some bosses at the end of each like world section. But it's just super cute. And the way that they use the VR... Um, and the movement and everything is just some of like the best stuff that's there. Like uh, you use the controller a lot um, to like, so you can unlock um, special doors by putting your controller like in the slot and it just feels really satisfying to like kind of put it in. You use your little touchpad to like fling Astrobot around. Um, so you can have him on like a little uh, catapult and you kind of like pull back and like throw him and you just get really immersed because you're doing all of these things in vr um you're kind of like looking down it's quite odd to describe a platforming game in vr but what you're doing is you're like looking down at him a little bit so you're kind of controlling him while looking down at him and he like runs around you and your head and like your space it's quite difficult to explain look at a video um for it if you really want to see what it looks like but um yeah like i said it's just really fun the reason i feel like this is quite a uh, wintry thing for me is one we got um, the PlayStation VR like uh, Christmas time last year, so it was kind of first arrived around winter time. But I think like VR is not a summery thing. You have to have a really hot thing on your head. Mm. Um, oh yeah. One winter, it's good to have you kind of return back to the VR because it's quite movement based as well. So it keeps you warm if you're cold because you've got to do a lot of stuff with your arms. Uh, not so much for this game. I think this game's just kind of nice because. I think this is obviously the second platforming game I've picked. It's just quite a nice, wholesome game. Um, and I like having platformers around Christmas time. And this is just one of the best ones I've got um, to play over the winter at the moment. Um, just because there's not that many, you know, platformers around anymore. Yeah. And you're, you're really on point about what you're saying about the collection of reasons. Like, I played this around Christmas because that was when my mum and her partner got a VR headset. And so... I, I sort of have a lot of connections with that as well. But also, again, as we're always saying this, or at least I'm always saying this, about like nowadays not being able to do very much. The idea of playing VR around the kind of winter months is kind of cool because it kind of gives you that feeling of like being in a different place, like a different land. And it is, I fucking love VR. Like that's, I don't think anyone, that's not a shock to anyone. I find it really magical. And I remember I did play VR once in summer, in the height of summer. And I was doing this weird like escape room thing um, on my own for like, honestly, it was like two hours. And to be honest with you, I got so hot and so dizzy that I nearly died. Um, it was just ridiculous. So I'm very much one for saying VR in the winter, let's do it because yeah. 
summertime. <laughs> summertime <laughs> you're is... already feeling a bit like motion sickness. <laughs> you don't need the heat. Um, but yeah, it kind of gives you that escapism, which is really, really cool. Also, is this the game where there has like the multiplayer modes? where you can be like the cat in the cupboard and shit. Ah, so this is a part of my fact um, about this okay. game. Um, so what it is, is the Playroom VR, which is what the cat one is that Nikki's talking about, had a game called Robot Rescue, uh, which were basically the Astrobots. Um, and this is where it came from. It was originally this Robot Rescue mini game, uh, but fans loved it so much and they loved the feel of it. They were kind of, they were told, Sony were like, okay, we have to make this into a full game. So this is what Astrobot's Rescue Mission is. It's a full version um, based around these little robots right. from the playroom of like collection of mini games. Um, and he's obviously been such a success. It's one of the games on VR that everyone talks about that you have to get and you have to play for PlayStation VR because it's just really good. Um, and now uh, PlayStation 5 just coming out, um, it has a Astrobot, uh, platforming game on it. It's one of the new just releases yes, on there. Is. So he's got his own thing. I think it's called like Astrobot Play something. I want to say I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But yeah, so you can try out Astrobot if you have a new PlayStation Five as well, which I recommend because I think he's going to be becoming a little bit of a mascot for Sony, mm. uh, and he's worth it because he's really cute. It, the games are always really fun and interesting. Um, yeah, and I just really enjoy this game, um, and I think it's definitely like something I'm going to play a lot over over the winter winter times nice um but yeah that's my number four cool that was a good pick i like that i feel cozy already i'm like i don't have a vr myself but i really really want one it's not yeah. gonna happen anytime soon but no. when i can come to your house we'll play some more well yeah we're supposed to do i mean a less cozy game we were gonna do oh yeah resident evil vr which i'm weirdly excited to get back into so we'll yes. have to do it soon when we can go into each other's houses, we will we will still do that, and we'll let you guys know when we're doing that, so you yeah. can watch the terror ensue. Mm -hmm. So, we are my number three. We're on to your number three. My number three is a game that I only spoiled earlier when I was talking, which is <laughs> Destiny Two. So, I know that this isn't a crossover. <laughs> I don't no. know why I was pausing. Um, Destiny 2 is a free-to-play online-only multiplayer first-person shooter video game developed by Bungie. Now, it says free-to-play when I when I, when I I was researching this. I don't remember it being free-to-play. I remember buying it, but I think it became free-to-play in the last couple of years. Yes, that's true. That's how I ended up starting to play it, I think, a bit with you guys, because it came free-to-play. Yes. Um, which is still kind of like... It still surprises me whenever I read that, because I, I, I remember spending like so much money, especially on the first one, and then the second one in the beginning. Um, I do... I like Destiny. Uh, I, I've always struggled with it and I think I've probably bitched about it many times before but generally it is like one of my go-to winter games I just I don't know what it is I just for some reason just want to play Destiny in the winter um but to give a little bit of a backstory it is set in like a, a kind of science fictiony world uh, it features a multiplayer shared world environment with elements of kind of RPGs kind of style like the original the uh the destiny 2 activities are divided among like uh, a few versions of things so there's like player versus environment pve and then player versus player pvp types uh, in addition to kind of having like the normal story missions there's also things like raid strikes and and things like that so there's a lot to do in destiny and i think that's one of the reasons why i do fall off of it a lot because there's almost like there's too much to do sometimes mm -hmm. but i i do really really enjoy it um obviously the first game received a lot of criticism including from me because destiny one was one of those games where it was like 
this looks fantastic before it was even out everyone was like yeah this is this is a fucking awesome game and then the game came out and the story was just like non-existent and just shit yeah um but everything else about it was beautiful and, and the, the play style like the mechanics were fucking awesome but every uh, so much sort of fell flat but destiny 2 did a lot better i still don't understand what the heck is going on in the story but at this point i've accepted that i don't really care because <laughs> yeah. I like to treat Destiny as more of a multiplayer thing. I don't tend to play it on my own that much, unless mm-hmm. I'm really, what I tend to do, it kind of goes in this kind of pattern. I start playing with friends, we start doing story missions, we start doing like um, PVP, and then I'm like, oh, I'm into this now. I want to get some loot. And I start playing by myself a bit. You know, it's kind of like a mixed bag of things. Yeah. But it's a pretty traditional thing that I do. Um, obviously, there's not that much story. <laughs> In this one, people will probably be like, Nikki, what the fuck are you talking about? There's like books, <laughs> so and much lore, and, shit. and story everywhere. <laughs> and I'm just there, like, nope, no story. There's no story. There is a little bit, a little bit, I guess. But yeah. no one comes for the story anymore. I think that's it. It was one of the first, I guess it's like one of the first games when it came out at the time to, to not push story at all, to push multiplayer stuff, mm. but also still have some level of story in there um so it and treat a bit itself a bit more like a mmo like mmo is full of story but at the same time like traditional ones like world of warcraft and stuff they're full of story and lore but most of the time you're not really paying attention to that you're just doing a thing you know and you kind of have to go after it yourself. I remember that was the one big thing about Destiny, the first one. It was like, if you want to sit and read these long, like fucking three, mm-hmm. four page things about the lore of Destiny, go for it. And I'm like, heck no, unless you want to show me like video footage or take me through the story yourself, I'm not, I'm not doing my homework. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But that's fine. Like I don't I don't go to Destiny for that. I I really like the PvP. I really like the PvE. I love the style of it. I love the art style. I love the fashion. The fashion is just awesome. Space um, I love the the fact that it is a loot shooter. There's like a lot of loot going around. The guns are awesome. Like it's just it's a fun time. Like and yeah. it's still going strong. Like I I must admit, even though it's free to play and a lot of the DLCs I think are, are free now. I've just downloaded on my Xbox One because it's on Game Pass now. I think maybe one of the f- latest ones, which I think is free. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not. I don't know. But I'm downloading it and I'm going to get into it maybe tonight um, <laughs> and, and check it out. But it's cool. Like, I like the fact that I can just, like, go, okay, it's winter now. I'm going to dive in and yeah. just play some Destiny. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're a fan of the looter shooter kind of thing. Like, because you really like mm. Borderlands and stuff. And that's essentially what that kind yeah. of is. Um at its core kind of thing there's more to it but that's that kind of thing um there's not really a, a thing i've ever really gone into but i do totally understand the appeal of it like the collection side of thing is something that speaks to me quite a lot but yeah for some reason never really got into it but like you said yeah. the world is is really cool like the idea of just being in space and stuff it's it's all there yeah, and just being sure. able to play with friends too yeah. like to do story missions against enemies with friends is fun you know you just like chat and go along as you do uh or then just doing like the pvp like killing other people like i do love killing other people yeah um, do love a bit of pvp um and especially when i feel like i'm getting good at it and i can work on getting good at it like i feel better you have like special moves that you can do as opposed to just shooting you have like your your special moves there's a new one as well which i've heard about where you can freeze people which is nice. cool um also one of the other reasons why i like playing at christmas is because there is actually a, a christmas event oh nice um so the christmas event is called the dawning and it, this year it will actually kick off on december 15th so actually not yet but that's okay i'm gonna get into it 
before then and be ready for it but that's always really pretty they make like the tower and like the home base lands and stuff like look really really magical and i think last year there was like a thing where you got to like bake cookies and give cookies to people which i did do a little bit of which was kind of weird but that sounds uh, and you can you can ride a sleigh that'll be your like your sparrow is like a sleigh i was riding my christmas sleigh around so there's that nice cool christmas element and i do love a christmas event on a game so yeah overwatch and destiny kind of has me there with with the christmas events nice yeah i do have some more facts though because that was kind of a fact of mine okay cool go hit me with um so people that are actually voice actors in the game are Nathan Fillion, the man himself, Gina Therese, and Marino Baccarin, who all start together in Firefly, which nice. is yep. big love of mine. I love Firefly. I question whether it's a, w- a waste of their talent sometimes because of the fact that I don't really like the story, <laughs> but then that's just me. So I can't, you know, tell them that they're wasting their time. It's just because they haven't appeased me. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying I want them in more games that are set in space, but maybe just different, a different game. Yeah. One that you're going to get through. <laughs> well, there's more, more, more that like, the story is a bit more enticing. Like I, I love yeah. the fact that they're in destiny, but I'm also very much like, please just keep doing this guys with another game too. You know? Yeah. I want, yeah. You want to be able to witness it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another fact, which is something that I guess isn't like, unknown knowledge but it was something that dawned on me while i was looking into destiny a bit which the interesting thing about the story of destiny i realized is actually the a guardian which is who you are in the game you're actually a resurrected corpse oh because you're resurrected by the traveler's light to oh, kind yeah. of be able to fight you know the bad guys um which is like the ghost kind of resurrects you which is an, uh, an ai flying robot um, but yeah, someone sort of worded it when I googled it and I was like, fucking hell, that is actually true because you've been dead for years. And so then I thought about it, they've resurrected all these guard- like guardians. Destiny is effectively just about like mass necromancy. Oh, Jesus. You're not wrong. That's very true. <laughs> Maybe that's now... why you don't play it because it's all about zombies. Yeah, that's it. That's why I can't get into it. It's, it's the zombie fear. I could smell a zombie on Marlowe and I knew there was something <laughs> up. You didn't know, but deep down just, you knew. I deep down, I just I could feel something not quite right. My zombie sense was tingling. <laughs> yeah, obviously, like all the characters look pretty good for the the fact that they're dead. But and I guess resurrected kind of implies that you're back alive again. But in mm. some ways, questionable. Yeah, I mean, you don't look dead because you do your character creation thing, and you, there's no hints of like. But no you're hint effectively of, like yeah. a zombie. But yeah, that's a good point, man. Zombie there destiny. Yeah, necromancy everywhere. My other fact is just that um, the Destiny, the the idea of Destiny has been around for a very long time because apparently the first reference to the game was in an Easter egg in Bungie's Halo 3 in 2009. So there was actually a reference in the game where you can find a poster featuring Earth, a white ball, which is presumably the traveler from Destiny, and the words Destiny Awaits, which is cool. That is cool. Cool little tease there. They were obviously like working on it. And there, there's a lot of like history and a lot of other facts about like what, how Destiny became what it was and, and how long they're working on it for. Um, and the thing is just, just to reflect on the game a little bit, just irrelevant to the fact that it's a winter game. The thing I find with Destiny is I think they put so much into the lore and so much into the history of the world, like an incredible amount to the point where you probably could have written a whole book on it. That actually then putting that all into a game and trying to explain all of that lore to people, but without really having a very good story mode, 
kind of explains what happened. Like, if you think about it that way, it wasn't that they didn't have a story. It was almost like they had too much and no way to tell it. And so when you get into the game and you start looking at it, it's still same with Destiny 2. You're just like, there's all this stuff. There's this amazing world, but you're just not storytelling it properly. Like, you know? Yeah. No, that's that's completely true. I think it's overwhelming. I definitely yes. get it with some games um, where I find that the lore is so deep and so massive and I'm so far either behind, like maybe I've got it later or I just kind of don't maybe have the time or that kind of thing. Or if they're not showing it to me in a, in a single kind of chunk, like you said, you're kind of going out and finding it yourself almost. Mm. It becomes overwhelming. It becomes very difficult to get a grasp on of the story because I'm the same. I couldn't tell you what destiny or destiny 2 stories was and i have played quite a few hours of both it's not like i've played it for an hour and put it down i have sunk you know quite a lot of time into both of them i've just decided like it wasn't for me and i think you've got it like exactly right i think sometimes world building is great um and obviously if you get super into the game you want that depth of lore to be there for yeah. you to kind of dive into but if you're not you know, if you're not introducing people properly or giving them no. ways to kind of find it later, um, then yeah, you are just going to have a lot of people that drop off and don't care. And I think that's the other thing, like, I find that with multiplayer games, because I'm playing it with my friends, I get very distracted away from, from stories. Mm. So it's like, even if they are telling me them, I'm too busy being dragged around or running around with people and talking and doing stuff. And yeah. my head isn't in the story, you know? Yeah. like I would say that if they could have you know, if you had to do like an hour tutorial, which I know there is some sort of tutorial in the beginning of Destiny 2, but if you had to do like a full hour where they have told the story incredibly eloquently and incredibly, not simplified because that's not the right term, but in a way that is like a nice int introduction without overwhelming you, and then you suddenly go into this multiplayer world where you don't really need to pay attention, I think that would have been a bit better. And they don't choose to do that, and that's absolutely fine. But I think, yeah, that is a big reason of why... I just I just don't pay attention unless you can tell me this story properly then I'm not gonna pay any attention but that's fine because your game is still good but it makes you appreciate other games that do kind of do the storytelling a little bit better yeah I think it's that it's that trade-off really from especially if you're doing a multiplayer game of maybe having a bit more of a relaxed story that's not so forced on people and allowing players to jump in and out of each other's games kind of quite mm -hmm. easily quickly and without any fuss um and then games that maybe are a little bit more controlling of the story but maybe restrict how much you know if you if you start the game with the group of four you should probably keep playing with that group of four you know what i mean like yeah because you go on that story together and it kind of forces you into staying with those people at that same time so they all get the same level of story um so I guess it's that trade-off, really. Uh, and I don't mm. really know that many games that do the forcing side of things. I'd like it if no. more. I would love a game where I was like, right, me, you, two other people, have to get this game at this time, and we're going to sit and play yeah. it. Yeah, because then you can make a schedule. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of love what a schedule. MMO people do, where it's like you get together and you do quests and stuff together. Mm. But I don't know. It just, again, it doesn't feel as forced. And I, wanna, I want people to force me. <laughs> it sounds awful, but... <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> Oh God! Please, um, nobody take a clip of that and turn it into something terrible. <laughs> Force me. No. So we went into like a very big, deep, um, we did like, analytical thing on Destiny there. But um, yes, Destiny is very magical in the winter times. There you go. That's my number three. 
It's okay. My number three is going to be very short because there's not really much to say about this. Um, My number three is Overcooked. Nice. And I think purely I've put it in my wintry games because I, again, same as you, I have the memory of me and you sitting and playing it for a lot of time. And I think it was when it was like November or something you came to visit and... It was actually December because I just moved. Yeah, Yeah. so it was like, yeah, really intense times and we were playing Overcooked. And I think I associate... Overcooked is definitely one of those games where I associate it with playing playing in a group because you've got to be inside because you're having... Because it's cold out and you, you know, you're kind of getting together inside. Um, Overcooked, if you don't know, is a chaotic cooking game it's like a co-op chaotic game. is the word yeah chaotic is definitely a good description um it was made by ghost town games and team 17 uh basically as a as a team you work together or you're supposed to work together uh with your other chefs to basically make orders you'll get an order at the top of the screen you've got to make that order as fast as possible um the problems come from the fact that the kitchen will move around you and stuff will be throwing in there or there'll be lava in the middle of your kitchen that you've got to jump over and all of these things to kind of stop you from doing stuff quickly um and i think one of my favorite memories so i've got like a couple favorite memories around this and they always involve it being winter time and having people over and playing it and one is you and we just play it like non-stop and we just actually do quite well and the other is having a house party uh, when we were still allowed house parties, this was a couple of years ago, um, and two people that had never been had never met before teamed up together to play, on on one of the teams because we were playing it like as a I think we were competing, we were doing like the competing side of things, and within I don't know I'm gonna say 15 minutes, and they hadn't like bear in mind they'd only known each other probably 15 minutes prior to this as well. One of them was just screaming at the other one about, like, pass me the tomato. No, tomato. That's a cabbage. Chop, chop. Like, just screaming (laughs) into this poor guy's face about, like, overcooked. And I've just never seen it happen so quickly. Um, It's just one of my fond fond memories of this game. It is a fun game. It is a stressful game. And I, I think there is there is a Christmas event too, right? I'm sorry if I'm delving into no. deep because I think that's what we played last time, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think... So I'm talking most about Overcooked 1, but oh, if you played Overcooked it... 2, oh, yeah. uh, Overcooked 2, yes, uh, expands on Overcooked 1 way more. And I really need to own it because I don't. Um, but yeah, we played the Christmas events and stuff that they have going on, which were really fun. Uh, very difficult and stressful. Like, we were struggling on those Christmas ones. They were really tough. And I'm I'm thinking right now that because I've got it and I think that's where we, we played it on mine, I think. Hmm. I'm 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 bringing it over when I can come round at Christmas because done. I think I think you make like Christmas puddings and you make like other yeah. things like that. So yeah that that's a cool I know we're talking mostly about Overcook One, but that that does have that kind of element in Overcook Two where you can feel a little bit like Christmassy. Yeah, I think that's it. It's just, it feels wintry, I think, as well, just because it's like, even if you're not playing at Christmas, like, if you have people over at all in winter, you tend to be inside. Like, you're not sat out in your garden doing things. It tends to be inside. And one of the nice things to do um, if you're a gamer and you have friends is to play them with each other. So, and co-op. And I think this is a good example of a a good co-op game. Um, And that's kind of it. I couldn't find any facts. Um... There was no real. There's no real story to overcooked. It's like you just have to appease the onion king, and his dog. And that's kind of it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my number three, short and sweet. 
Nice. Well, we have spoken about it a few times, I suppose. So yeah. we've probably exhausted all the facts there even are on, on Overcooked. But yeah, I agree with you there. It's a very good game. A good number three. Nice. So you're number two now. My number two stems from a game that I think I've played in winter a lot growing up. And I still continue to try and play it in winter now but I don't always always get the time but it is for me like the perfect winter game and I'm cheating here I'm cheating because I'm doing a series I'm not doing a particular game I'm sorry that's okay you won't have it it's not going to be uh, a, a crossover but um my number two is Broken Sword oh nice which is a game that I have spoken about a lot on this podcast I think maybe I've spoken about it in music in characters I think protagonist was one of the first yeah, 90s that we did. Games. Yeah. yeah. Um, Broken Sword is a series of adventure games, and the first game in the series, Broken Sword, The Shadow of the Templars, was released and developed in 1996 by the British developers Revolution Software. Um, the latest game was Broken Sword 5, Serpent's Curse, which came out in 2013, which is mad to me now because I remember when that came out around Christmas. Yeah. Uh, in 2013, which feels like yesterday. It was not. <laughs> it was it was like seven years ago oh jeez um, yep which is madness because just don't even get me started on time um <sighs> it's point and click game series which to me is one of the best kind of wintery games i don't know what it is about point and click in winter i just love it yeah i know what you mean there's something about playing strategy games and stuff like that as well at winter sitting yeah at your computer yeah i'm with you the uh the game revolves around the adventures of george stobart my man and Nicole Collard, who is his girlfriend sometimes, in several fictitious, fictitious <laughs> stories based on history and mythology, which is a, a very cool part of it as well. Um, the first two games in the series are controlled by traditional point and click, and the third and fourth are kind of more like 3D. Um, the third game uses some other mechanism, and the fourth game goes back to the standard point and click interface, but within a kind of 3D environment. It's still very much point and click flat, but yeah. it just looks a little bit more like modern. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just something really warm and lovely about Broken Sword. I'm going to be talking more about the first two and the last one because I was not a fan of the 3D, 3D graphics. Um, but those games, you know, when I was a kid, we used to play them around Christmas time a lot with my mum and my dad and my sister and brother. It was very much one where we would just sit around because it was, I think we had it on PS1 and then later on the PC. We'd all play it together because it's very much one of those ones where there's puzzles, uh, there's a lot of talking, but there is kind of the, it's that whole premise of point and click where it's like, can I combine this with this to do this? Could I put this on this? It's always about combining and yeah. things like that, isn't it? <laughs> Finding the right item and, and, uh, and apparently that was a very group game. Apparently that was, it worked really well as a group. So we'd all do that. And every time I play it or even just hear the music, it just fills me with, fills me with warmth. And, uh, and I think that's why I just, just love the idea of us cozying up and playing some Broken Sword. I've played these games so many times to the point where when I play them now, it just, it's, it's kind of ruined a little bit because I just know what I'm doing the whole time. Yeah. Um, so I don't play them as much nowadays, but just if I think about like my perfect winter evening, it would be playing Broken Sword. Really. Just with Mr. George Snowbart. Yeah. 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 And think... you, you've played a bit, haven't you? I have. I can't remember which one I played. I think it must have been number two. I want to say it's number two. It's the one that's kind of closest to Monkey Island 3 where it's that drawn style. Yeah, we wanted um, to. 
yeah one and two mm. I, I it's one of those games where i've always wanted to properly sit down and play the whole series because i'm not as familiar with those but i love a point and click game point and click is one of my favorite like genres especially ones of that time um and i've just never gone but i've always really enjoyed it when i have played bits of it and i think it's mostly been with you um and that kind of thing but yeah i know what you mean about 3d ones like i feel like monkey island tried 3d a couple times and it just never feels mm. as good as the drawn one it worked well with five because that was the one that was in 2013 and that was all um that was all fan raised for the the game so i think it was kickstarter right. um so it was very much like everyone was kind of like please you know please keep the the 2d aspects point and click but you know people it still has that it just looks a bit more 3d but it, the premise yeah. is still it's still the same but it does work it works really really well and it, it's kind of an ode to that to those old one and two broken sword that everyone kind of kind of fell in love with but i really mm. recommend it i you can get them i've got them all on my phone and so i've always had access to them on my phone i don't know if the first two are on switch but i know the latest one is on switch i can't imagine they're very expensive now if you did want to want to try it um there's just i think for me it's the warm and kind of witty humor about mm. it and, and there is a lot of british humor in there as well um because it was it is obviously a british studio and i think charles cecil is is british as well and uh th but then i say it's british the the protagonist is american um played by an american voice actor who lives in england and and it, there's just something so amazing about it i mean some of the there's so many silly punch lines but it's like one of yeah. those things where it's not jokes that you would normally expect to find in a game and i feel like a lot of games often fail at humor sometimes but broken sword just does it just does it perfectly it doesn't take itself too seriously but there is also that cool element of there's always a, a mystical thing that happens on the base of it there's always something weird going on like kind of supernatural-esque sometimes and I just love the idea of just like having to always solve stuff. I love solving stuff with some humor on top. It's just, it's a bit of fun. Yeah, I agree. They're always, it's always a good, that's a good recipe for a game for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that something like this got mentioned actually, because I'm with yeah. you, like Monkey Island is definitely something that is always mm. fun to play and that kind of thing. And those point yeah. and click stuff and Broken Sword, I feel like even more so because of, like you said, just because of the settings and stuff that it tends to have, um, mm -hmm. I can imagine fit really well. And it's one of those games where if you've got some time over like the winter periods and Christmas and stuff, it's it's a nice one to kind of to get your claws into. And even if you've got like kids and stuff, like I imagine it'd be quite a fun one to play to play with kids because it's just one of those things where you can kind of watch it because it is a bit movie like, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of heavy story. And I know definitely when yeah. I was a kid playing it with, you know, like my dad and and mum and stuff like I, I really, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I think all in all, a fabulous winter game. Nice. Oh, I have, yeah. I have one fact, but it's not oh. a very interesting fact. Well, just to hit us with the fact anyway. Um, so one funny part about Broken Sword, and probably a lot of other point and clicks, is the fact that people can fit so much into their pockets. <laughs> and George is no exception. Yeah. Um, George puts fucking everything in his pockets. Ladders, like, fucking everything. Like, <laughs> it's just amazing. And you're yeah. just like, how is it? It becomes a running joke. Um, but apparently, um, in the first game, you can click on a shovel where George encounters uh, encounters it and it prompts him to remark, as spacious as my pockets were, I doubted I could put a shovel in them, which <laughs> makes me laugh because I'm like, George, I saw you put a fucking ladder in there the other day. So you're lying. Because yeah, it's, it's just funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think about some point and clicks and I don't know how Monkey Island worked, but I know that in Discworld point and click, he could put stuff in luggage and that made sense. But I don't really understand where these why these pockets are so big. 
Yeah, no, um, Monkey Island makes similar jokes with um, with things. It all goes into Guybrush's pants, and there's quite a few animations of him, like almost like Mary Poppins esque, dropping really long things into his pants and then just kind of disappearing into them. Like <laughs> they don't come out the bottom or anything. Um, long poles and stuff just kind of disappearing. So yeah, they make quite a few jokes about it as well. Yeah, that's it really. That was the only fact nice. I could find. I just I couldn't really find very many for some reason. Yeah, you've probably told many a fact before as well so probably yeah but no good number two number two what's nice so my number two um again i don't think it's gonna be a crossover i'm not even sure if you played it much or at all um is a 3ds game uh called fantasy life it is a role-playing game that was just i think it was exclusively on the nintendo 3ds um and it was made by level five um and somebody called one up studio um it's uh how to describe it's quite difficult it was quite an odd game but quite a cute wholesome game the um style of it is again that kind of like almost chibi-esque cute kind of squidgy game um level five do games like nino kuni um and yokai watch so if you can kind of picture what those look like this is very similar um you basically choose one of up to 12 lives uh, and then go through the game playing out that life. Um, but the lives overlap. So the idea is basically you pick a you pick a thing to be, so like a paladin or um, a woodsman or something like that. And then you kind of go through the game uh, crafting, gathering and fighting your way through it. And you kind of change roles every so often. Uh, like I said, I'm probably not describing this well because it's quite difficult, but it's basically like, think about it as if you start off as a paladin, but then you need to go into blacksmithing because you need to create yourself some weapons. But to become and get those uh, weapons and to create them, you need to gather materials. So you need to go become a miner for a bit. So you basically have all of these different jobs that you can take on um, that eventually like help out other jobs and stuff like that. It's basically like being an adventurer, but no, there's no townspeople and you are just all of the townspeople and you have to do all of the jobs. Um, That sounds stressful. It sounds stressful, but it's like one of the most chilled kind of relaxing games because it's one of those things where it's literally like you just go out and gather some stuff, like just find and chop down some trees or mine some stuff. And then you take it back to your workshop and it's just kind of like a little uh, mini game-esque thing to like make stuff. So I think blacksmithing is just like hammering stuff in time. Um, and then, you know, once you've got your sword, you go off and fight little creatures and stuff like that and gather more materials from them. And all the little lives kind of feed into each other. And there's a, there is a natural story that's kind of going on throughout while you do this so that kind of propels you forward and then you kind of level up and everything it's one of those games where it's like if you like um if you like picking classes in games like picking a role to do and then trying to finish it and stuff like that and then do another one this is definitely a game that you will enjoy um i said there was kind of a story so the game is set in a fantasy world called riviera it's basically made up of lots of different cities and mountains and stuff um and basically the idea it's kind of built into the law that the rulers spend their days ruling over the citizens of the lands basically guiding them into their right paths life paths and that's kind of like the thing around the game um but one day uh the peaceful kind of state is ruined when a meteorite falls onto your house yeah as a player you have a meteorite hit your house everyone's fine it's all good it wasn't just it wasn't destroyed it's just one of those things where it just kind of lands on the top um, and it, standard Monday <laughs> just every so often but it basically sets off a chain of events that kind of starts off like ancient prophecies and goddesses and all that kind of fun stuff 
Um, so it's pretty standard in terms of like role playing esque kind of those kind of games. If you get what I mean, like it's player gets sent out on journey, does all the things. Um, like I said, it's quite difficult to describe this game, but it is fun and it's very wholesome and i think the reason i've chosen it for a winter game is it is one of those games you can spend a really long time playing quite quietly sat sitting on a sofa um one thing i've definitely realized is that handheld stuff in winter is probably the way that i like to go you know because you want to be able to just snuggle on the sofa with lots of blankets or in bed and that kind of thing like have a cup of tea next to you you know what i mean like you're not doing anything super intense i guess most of the time that's kind of how i like to spend my mm. winter i kind of settle down for the winter and quiet down so this is a perfect kind of quieting kind of game um and it's definitely one of those games that i put down because it's really long and can be a little bit repetitive but eventually i get that craving for it again and i need yeah. to go back and do more stuff and craft and gather things um so yeah like i don't know if you've even ever heard of this game or seen it no, I haven't. I mean, I, I never had a 3DS, um, but I've Googled it and it looks super adorable. And if I did have a 3DS, I probably would have played it. Yeah, it's very cute. If you, if like anyone who's listening and they've ever played anything like, um, I think it was like Dragon Quest stories or those kind of things. I think it's kind of similar looking to that where everyone's quite small and cute. Um, but yeah, it's a good game. Um, I, again, I struggled to find some facts so the one fact that I did find, other than um, it was developed along with some producers who were also responsible for um, producing in the Final Fantasy series, because um, I think they're quite connected, uh, was that the there was weirdly a lot of differences in the names between Europe and America, which I found weird, because normally there's a lot of changes in between the names that we get in Europe um, and America versus the ones that in Japan, because of yeah. the translation. That makes sense. But for some reason, this time... Uh, between Europe and America, quite a lot of them were different. Um, hmm. And I don't know why. And some of them are quite weird differences. So apparently in Europe, we got uh, a boy and a girl, both called boy in love and girl in love. In Europe, that was fine. But apparently America can't deal with that. They had to have love a boy <laughs> and love a girl. Wow, that kind of makes it weirder. Right? <laughs> so these are the things I found. There was like... Cherry was a name in Europe, but they didn't like cherry, so they changed it to Poppy. Uh, that was a really odd one. Um, another one that I really liked was there was in the Europe one, there's something called uh, a hot springer, um, but they changed it to a spring elder. I'm not sure why they uh, didn't want a uh, hot springer. <laughs> and strange. Yeah, the last one was um, we had something called a. Uh, a rental turtle and a sky turtle. <laughs> but apparently America really wanted rental tortoise and sky tortoise. Which doesn't make any sense to me. Because I feel like we in Europe say tortoise more than turtle. Yeah. Whereas like Americans call everything turtle. Even if it's a I mean, I, it I associate turtle with America just because of I like turtles, boy. Yeah. I mean, I'm I, like, I like turtles. I like turtles. And I have a feeling they call what we would call a tortoise a turtle. You know what I mean? Maybe. I mean, have turtle just for sea creature. Or river creature. There is, this is the thing with tortoise and turtle. We're not going to get into it. There is a difference. <laughs> but the thing is, a lot of people get, a lot of people get it wrong. 
some actual, some actual tortoises are actually turtles. It's very confusing. I think there is actually a thing actually that I read the other day where it says that technically all tortoises are turtles, but not all tortoises, but or not all turtles are tortoises. I don't know. That's completely oh, wrong. But it's a very confusing <laughs> thing, and I don't know where I'm oh, going man. with that. Well, maybe I'm wrong though. Maybe maybe it makes more sense. Um, but yeah, that was like the only two facts I could find. It was like I said, it's a bit of an odd 3DS game. Um. That I randomly got reminded of the other day, and I thought, oh yeah, that's a great game. It's a great wintry game. So I've put it in my list as number two. Nice. Yeah. So I found out that all tortoises are turtles, oh, but God. not all turtles are tortoises. Sorry, is... just... <laughs> all tortoises are turtles, but not all turtles are tortoises. What the fuck is that's this bullshit? I mean, this... That's not true. I'm... You can't have either of those things. Apparently it's true, says says people, says scientists. But that doesn't... But then how were... <laughs> when did the... How did the... <laughs> <laughs> we're never going to understand in this podcast in the next few minutes. I'll research it and I'll let you know on the next episode. Yeah, so come now back everyone... to find out what that means. Yeah, I mean, you have to wait two weeks when you could easily probably Google it yourself. But if you want me to explain it to you, then come back in the next episode. See you in two weeks, everyone. I mean, you do have the ecology masters, so I, I'll take my, I'll take. I'll my do my on. best. It's it's not winning me any favors right now when I'm trying to understand this oxymoron. But I'll do some research. Good, good plan. I'll write a thesis on it. Yeah, I want like a full hundred word essay. Hundred words isn't that much. It'll be fine. Okay, we're on to number ones now, so let's do our honourable mentions. Um, yeah, I forgot, and I don't really have that many, but I'll do a couple off the top of my head. Oh, okay, go I'll first. go first then, while yeah. you think of some. Um, two games that I got on my honourable mentions is games that I, again, would play as a kid with my family at Christmas. Not what you'd expect. Resident Evil, Silent Hill, we've spoken about that before. Christmas games, I know, right? <laughs> um, Mass Effect Andromeda, don't know why I feel like this is a kind of wintry kind of game yeah. for me. I think any Mass Effect is a kind of winter game because I have, for some reason, I think having, I used to associate winter with having a lot of time, which I guess you do because you're not socialising out in the summer, mm. summertime with friends and things, you're inside. So yeah, Mass Effect, but Mass Effect Andromeda for some reason. Yeah. Wintery kind of game. Mm. Um, Night Shop Republic is a very wintry game for me. I tend to always start a game, never finish it. Um, but I remember there was one time at Christmas where I did finish both of them and I was very proud of myself. Um, any big heavy RPGs, any good Bioware heavy RPGs is a good winter game, in my in my opinion. Yeah, fair. Final Fantasy Fifteen again, I for some reason have as a kind of wintry game in my head. Maybe it was the time it was released. Not quite mm-hmm. sure. Um, Animal Crossing as well. I want to say Animal Crossing New Horizons, but technically we haven't got into the winter months on Animal Crossing New Horizons yet because it's not been out a year. So I put it on my mentions just because I'm gonna definitely dive back into that when we get snow. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Snowball. And there might be some cool crafting as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. And my final honorable mention is the game Harvest Moon. All of them. Um, feel like that would be a good game to play over the winter months because you can effectively just, you know, start a farm and and stuff. So um, that's it, really. That's all my honorable mentions. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think you've kind of triggered some in my brains. Um, mm-hmm. been, my brains are plural. <laughs> Multiple um, brains. I've got one in my stomach. Like a cow. <laughs> um, I uh, so I've thought of things like Hearthstone. I really like playing in the winter. Uh, card mm-hmm. game. I think, I think again because it's set in like a pub 
and it feels really cozy and crackly in there uh and that's a kind of nice um kind of like what you were saying i like playing quite a lot of pc games and i tend to reserve pc games for a lot of strategy or kind of building games so stuff like any of the tycoon type things um civs civilization tropicos like those kind of things i guess sims to that degree um i really want to get frostpunk which um i've not really played but i've heard really good things so i'm going to throw that in there anyway which is like a wintry i mean it's set in snow so yeah that's great um maybe things like papers please again mm. those kind of things that was a good one uh yeah so yeah i think anything anything i can either have handheld or on a pc i think becomes wintry for me yeah nice yeah. nice okay so we're on to your number one my number one i've cheated again i've gone for a series sorry oh. okay my number one winter game might be a crossover might not be mm-hmm. can you see that i am i'm extending the suspense um it's tomb raider oh okay interesting Again, this stems from childhood. This was this like typical Christmas game that I'd play with my family when we were younger. My mum is a big Tomb Raider fan. I feel like she was the one that was always on this and we were always watching and, and stuff like that and sometimes trying, but probably not because we suck. But then, you know, as we, as we got older and we could use our thumbs a bit more, we, we'd start playing it too. But it was like every Christmas, don't know why. I think my parents used to have a lot, probably have a lot of time off over Christmas, which makes sense. And that's probably why we got all of our gaming done over the winter months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm including the series because it has spanned a long time for me. And, and you know, I don't particularly play the originals now over winter or anything, but I always just want to play Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider over winter. So there is um, there is 18 Tomb Raider games, but these aren't all the typical Tomb Raider games. This does include mobile. I just I wanted to count how many there was and I I wasn't start differentiating them. It would take too long. So, yes, 18 Tomb Raider games, wow. including shitty ones that probably no one cares about now. Um, <laughs> with a reboot that came in 2013 for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, which is obviously the most recent reboot and, and there's still games going. I haven't played the latest one. I am ashamed. Maybe I'll do that this winter. But it's good. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard really good things. But to give a you know general gist of Tomb Raider, if you apparently haven't been on Earth, um, Lara Croft is the protagonist and playable character of the series. She travels the world in search of like artifacts and locations. She raids tombs, I guess. I mean, not always tombs, but that's just where the name came from because I think originally she was like all about know, the tombs. All about the tombs. She was a tomb gal. Um, she, you know, she did her thing, and often if she found that a lot of places were connected to kind of supernatural powers, which is something that's that's been synonymous within the series, where there's always some kind of weird fucking shit going down. Her biography has changed a little bit throughout the series. Um, the main thing that kind of stays is the fact that she is like the heir of the arist- aristocrat Croft family. Her dad normally has something to do with with things. And um, yeah, the gameplay is kind of just based around the action adventure kind of framework with her navigating environments, solving puzzles. The puzzles is always a big favorite of mine growing up, mm-hmm. in addition to kind of fighting enemies and avoiding traps. And, and the, you know, the latest ones are, are no different to this. There's still kind of those puzzle things. It's very much like nowadays there's a lot more, it's a little bit less linear. Like you're still kind of going on a linear path, but there's lots of little different things that you can do, like collecting collecting stuff on the side and yeah. collectibles effectively. A lot of games have become quite collectible based, haven't they? 
yeah, it's definitely a trope. Yeah, Tomb Raider does it in a really interesting way, I always think. Um, the new ones, anyway, I mean, um, in the sense of, like, it's become a little bit open-worldy, but not really. Like, you get open sections that you've got to from doing story, kind of, mm. bits to get there. And then you get a little open section. And in there, like you said, like you do lots of collecting and gathering and some crafting, I think, even to make yourself some arrows and stuff now. Yeah. Um, but it's still quite, there's still a lot of linear sections. Mm. And like you said, the so, puzzle tombs. Yeah. Sometimes I find it's for better or worse, though. Sometimes I can get overwhelmed by all of that because my completionist inside me wants to be like, yes, do all of that, do all mm-hmm. of the things, get everything, get all the artifacts. And then, then I just get so overwhelmed that I don't want to play the main story until I've done all the things just in case I'm like, oh, but what if I can't come back here and I'll miss stuff and I can't 100% the game? And so sometimes I get resentful about the fact that it has that. Um, and I do kind of miss the simplicity of the old Tomb Raider games so it was very much just like, do the thing. But they're still fantastic games and they were really were, in my opinion, you know, too many games are at the forefront of advent- the adventure games that we get today. Like, you know, things like Uncharted, it really set that kind of base standard of exploration and puzzles and just that exploring dynamic works so well. And as I said, it still works really well today. It's just, it's very much changed. Its face has changed a lot. It's still the same premise, but it's, the way it looks has changed so much. But mm. um it's just, like I said, I, I think a lot of for me, winter games is either about, well, mostly it's all about exploration, exploration, comfort, and just, I don't know, I want to say like a Christmas dynamic, but I know you can't really get Christmas dynamic in Tomb Raider, but there is wintry levels. That's my yeah, one thing. There's snow. <laughs> snow and stuff. Um, and I, I was thinking the other day as well, like, especially with our, with our current time it's cool to do an adventure game like tomb raider because you can feel like you're doing stuff in the world you can't go on holiday but maybe you can go to some tomb and explore it that's a good point i mean yeah you're never gonna actually be able to go to ruins like no. like that so yeah you might as well go in, in and tomb raider the better you know like the graphics and stuff getting the environments and the visuals you may as well just be there at that point like just you know yeah. when it'll come, come these cold winter months you just just live vicariously through video games that's all i say really yeah, maybe if you do play the new one, you'll get flashbacks because it's set in Peru most of the time. Um, <gasps> Why have I not played this yet? I don't know, because I remember when I was playing it through, I kept on texting you being like, Nikki, is this basically your life in the jungle? Because I was seeing like capybaras and things in the... Because it's in the jungle Aww. of Peru as well. Like there's big sections where I'm avoiding getting eaten by jaguars. I don't know. I maybe I wasn't ready at that point because I was still getting flashbacks from when I got like stung by bees and I fell in a hole. Yeah, that's probably true. Don't want to relive that. Um, <laughs> and fire ants. I sat on a fire ants nest once. And and uh, yes, yeah, so maybe I just wasn't ready. But now, God damn it, I'm ready. Now you've forgotten that pain. And you can relive yeah. it virtually. <laughs> as long as Lara Croft doesn't, eat, one, fall in a hole, get stung by wasps, or get stung by fire ants on her mm-hmm. buttocks, then I'll be fine. Yeah, she might fall in a hole. Um, and that hole will have spikes in it. But um, I, you know, you'll be fine. <laughs> but at least I can't feel the pain in real life. <laughs> anyway yeah got some facts we've spoken about Tomb Raider a few times but I don't think we've maybe discussed these facts so here's a couple of facts it was a creation of just six people Tomb Raider when it first came out and was only created over a period of three years by core design which I thought was pretty impressive yeah that is cool we knew that Lara Croft's name was not originally Lara Croft because this was a fact in a very old episode where we discovered that the name was actually originally going to be Lara Cruz Yep. But did we know 
that the way that they got Lara Croft's name was by the guys at Core in Derby, England, had picked up the phone book and just searched for names that were similar to Lara Cruz and got Lara Croft. So there was actually a real person living in Derby, maybe still alive, who knows, uh, that's called Lara Croft that basically was the reason why we have Lara Croft. And I don't think they even know it. They're probably like, oh, wow, that's my name. But then didn't actually realise that her name was kind of stolen. Well, so... So was her first name actually Lara, or did they just find the second name? In no, the no, book? there is someone called Lara Croft wow. living badly in the phone book because they were like, let's just go through the phone book and find a name that's not Lara Cruz, but maybe sounds a bit similar to Lara Cruz. Oh, that's so yeah, there is actually, or was somebody living in Derby with that name, and it's kind of a little bit, you know, stealing. But yeah, I wonder how a long she, time ago so. how they feel about it. Like a few, months I later. don't think they'd know. Well, I mean, you can't miss it, can you? I think no, but they know Lara Croft. They would have known that their name was used in the game, but I don't know if they would have known that the way that it was was because they searched them in the phone book because that kind of makes it more personal, right? But that's not a fact that people tend to know. Like, I literally just found it and I didn't know. So, I mean, coincidence. Lara Croft, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, your life must be changed forever. I I wouldn't I wouldn't sue them, but I would definitely be like, hey guys, I'm the Lara Croft from Derby, whose name that you basically took. Give me some royalties. Yeah, that's man. what I'd do. Definitely, like, I mean, it's worth a try. It is. Um, I'm not going to change my name to Lara Croft all of a sudden and pretend that I live in Derby in '96, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I will. You suddenly start disappearing for a bit, and then. Uh come back and say like everybody has to call me Lara from now on and pretend like you've always called me Lara pretend that I'm actually 60 because to have been in the phone book in like 1995 in uh in that time I would have had to have been a lot older so I'm I'm 60 but I just look good okay yeah fair. I look good for my age fair anyway my next fact yeah is um, that apparently Nell McAndrews undertook the role of Lara Croft in 1998 through to 1999 as like the face of Lara Croft. Now, I'm not sure if she did the voice. I don't think she did the voice, but she kind of was like the body, the face. You know how in that time, like they liked to have like a model yeah. to pose as, as, as actors. I don't know why it was just a thing. We had limited resources in regards to like art and stuff. So apparently models were needed. But anyway... In this time, between 1988 and 1999, Nell posed nude for Playboy. Now, I'm not sure if she was dressed as Lara Croft, but apparently this made Edos threaten a Playboy with a lawsuit because she did that. Very, very strange. They were unable to alter the US printing, but when a lawsuit forced in the UK printing of the Playboy magazine to cover up the Tomb Raider logo on the cover... Okay, yeah, so then they would have been Tomb Raider parts there sorry I apparently haven't read my full fact and so there was this big scandal and then she was suddenly replaced and so it's believed that because she did that and kind of had this thing with playboy um that's why they effectively probably fired her but the thing is I, I don't, I'm kind of with them on that I'm like playboy did wrong like they didn't ask for the royalties to be able to kind of do that she shouldn't have done that drama man yeah I, I think I think that's the thing if she just posed nude under her own uh her own like model name um then then fine but if it like if she was doing it like dress but then it's like is it any different from like the cosplaying now i guess their issue was more a case of less about her being naked and more about the fact that she was using laura croft's 
uh, image and name to sell it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Maybe they didn't have anything to do with it. So I kind of understand, but it was a different time. I'm not sure how all that kind of stuff worked back then. I mean, I imagine that maybe she was wearing like the sunglasses and had the hair up and then they decided to put the logo on, which, yeah, I, I kind of like would be a bit pissed. I don't know if it was her fault or if it was Playboy or what happened, but yeah, there you go. Interesting. Good facts. Mm. And, and that's it. That's that's my number one, uh, ending on a fact about naked Lara Croft. I mean, fantastic. Mine's going to seem very tame now in comparison to that. <laughs> Who's your number mean- one? We're going back to the children's s game it's not um but we're going to <laughs> we're going to pokemon um pokemon in general but i feel like i'm gonna do a you and i'm gonna say pokemon in general um for me is a is a winter game um because most of the time they always come out in november um and again they're always on a handheld other than the switch but switch is kind of handheld um device and so again i can sit on a sofa with a couple of blankets and a cup of tea and it's that kind of right pace type of game to play Pokemon. Um, I'm going to talk a bit more specifically about Sword and Shield because we've done a mm-hmm. whole entire uh, <laughs> episode with Max and Jesse about uh, Pokemon. Um, so I won't really talk about Pokemon in general. I'll just talk about this specific game, the most recent one. Uh, so the most recent one came out on the Switch Um generation eight so it's the eighth generation of the pokemon set in the galar region and the galar region is basically the uk which is amazing and i think that makes this kind of feel even more uh special and probably even more wintry and stuff now because there is some snow levels and stuff and the i think the the town that's snow based is somewhere in bath as well so like um bath Bath in the uk and it's got like a famous kind of uh viewpoint and they've kind of included it in the game in their own kind of pokemon way um which is really cool and it's covered in snow it's just really cute and it just feels kind of warm and cozy and i think that's it about pokemon again it's just quite a it's a very easy game to play um the the general gist is always the same you set out as a young pokemon trainer you get given a starter and off you go and you have to travel around um, having Pokemon matches and collecting as many Pokemon as you possibly can. And that's kind of it. Um, the game Pokemon Sword and Shield basically follows that same pattern. Um, it adds a couple of new features. Uh, two things called Dynamaxing and Gigamaxing, which basically allows the Pokemon to grow massive. Um, Gigantamaxing, sorry, is uh, the other one. But it's basically, they basically just grow massive and you can fight with them. Um, we did play a game when it first came out with what would be the best Pokemon to make huge, what would be the funniest thing you could see. Things like Ditto and stuff were great because it was just these horrible, giant, smiling creatures. Like, <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Yeah, right. It's just great. Because um, they would be huge. Like, I'm talking skyscraper size. Um, I think Gigantamaxing also changed the appearance. Like, some of the Pokemon, if you made them massive, their appearance would change as well while they're in this kind of state. I want to say... I can't remember the name of it. There was one that was kind of like a Pokemon that looked a bit like a building and he got more building-like <laughs> as he grew up bigger. Well, like this group, uh, they're running out of ideas, the Pokemon world. Like, I was going to so- say, then they have a Pokemon that's a bin now or something. And like mean, an ice, ice lolly or something. Yeah, they've got ice creams. They've got candle holders. They've got <laughs> teacups. They've got... 
They've got yeah. It's gonna be a table Pokemon soon. There will be totally a table and Pokemon. Like it's just they're they're running out of animals, so they've moved on to things and they're just getting weird. Yeah, there is. There's a rubbish sack one called Trubbish. It's just it's going a bit weird over the Pokemon world. Um, Getting out of hand. They need to stop, but please don't because I love them. the other the other cool feature about this um this game was the first Pokemon game to have uh proper overworld roaming areas where it was like a free roam section and also throughout the game the Pokemon would appear in the world just walking around rather than being hidden in grass. So rather than being like a surprise kind of attack, uh random battle, you would be able to see the Pokemon and walk up to it and have a fight with it kind of thing. Um, which was cool because it's something as Pokemon fans we wanted for ages and ages like the more they can make it basically Pokemon fans only want one thing and that is for them to make Breath of the Wild but with Pokemon in it that's yeah, it that would be cool that would be the best thing um, they could make um, this is kind of the closest thing they've gotten to it so far um, with these kind of overworld roaming kind of areas. Um, but it was good. Um, it was They made some other not so fun changes. Like there's no Elite Four, which is like the four people you fight at the end, which I which are always quite a fun challenge. Um, they're kind of like the people you have to beat to finish the game. Um, they're always quite difficult. Um, I think that's one thing about the more recent series of Pokemon games. They've been easier. Mm-hmm. in general like it's just easier to get through it's less of a challenge and i don't think that's because we're all getting better at pokemon um they do more things to help you and i think it's because they've wanted to keep a lot of their audience from pokemon go a lot of the young kids who have got into pokemon through pokemon go um are slowly moving on to actual pokemon games and they're trying to introduce them nicely rather than just being like here's a bunch of shit that you don't know anything about have fun learning it you know what i mean like they are trying i do understand it but it does mean that older kind of pokemon fans uh are getting a lot of help when maybe they don't need to it's things like telling you what move is good against a pokemon that you're fighting against um did you um sorry to just change the subject a little bit did you say that the place is called galar yeah gala gala have you ever heard of the term flaming galar yeah i know (laughs) Flaming Galar. Galar. Because that is all I can think of right now. To be fair, when I typed this, I literally went, oh, we're going to have some sort of joke about it being you big Galar. (laughs) Sorry. Anyone that doesn't know, um, Galar is like a a derogatory Australian uh, slang word for like being an idiot, um, which is based on a bird called Galar in in Australia. And uh, I think flaming Galar often goes hand in hand and it's one of my favorite, favorite things. Um, <laughs> I think Galars are very pretty, very pretty birds, but um, it just makes me laugh. And yeah, so they, that was inevitable. That was an inevitable thing that was gonna be brought up. Flaming Galar. Yeah, I knew it. I just, I painted it. I was like, I, I don't even know how to say it. It could be Gala, but I'm pretty sure it's Galar. And, oh, yeah, it's Galar, Galar now, yeah, forever. I'm all right with that. I never say anything correctly, so it's it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of it. Um, I've got some facts. Um, cool. I've got two facts. One, which is kind of an obvious fact, that this is the first Pokemon game with expansions. So there's actually DLC that you can buy for this game. Um, I have not bought it, but I'm holding on for when I get a real bad Pokemon craving and I just need to play some new Pokemon. Um, I might buy it then. Um, but they've had like two, which is like Isle of... 
Isle of Iron, something like that. I'm not quite sure what they're called, um, but you can get them um, on the e-store on uh, Nintendo. Uh, and then the second fact I've got is a bit more of an interesting one. So apparently on the eastern side of Hammerlock Pavilion, which is an area in the game, uh, you can meet a little girl who asked the player to deliver a message to her friend uh, in Ballonly, which is another area of the game. However, when the player delivers it to said friend, they find that actually he is a middle-aged man. Uh, adding to the eerie uh, scene, the what? man claims that the girl who sent the letter was a friend of his who he hasn't seen since childhood. Special friend. Yeah. The... <laughs> However, if the player returns to where the child was, she won't be there. She's a ghost. Yeah. So as the player searches the exact oh, it's area, it's not as sorted as I thought. Who's on? No, it's Pokemon. It's not going to be a Marvel station. <laughs> basically, if you search the area where she was standing, you will um, get the item hidden uh, Reaper cloth, which is basically an important ghost type Pokemon item, uh, implying that she may have been a ghost. Uh, furthermore, if you go back to the old man's house that you just delivered the letter to, you'll find a child standing facing the wall uh, in a state that she's having a conversation with somebody. Uh, so the idea is that that girl is having a conversation with another ghost girl. Um, there's quite a lot of ghost girl in Easter eggs, apparently, throughout uh, mainline Pokemon games. Um, but this is the first one I've ever read about, which I really enjoyed. Um, nice. And it is not, in fact, about a murdering pedo. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't was worried there. for a second there. John, and then he murdered her. <laughs> like lovely bones. Oh God, no! The only reason I was going to say that I was expecting something dark was because you know, lavender town, all that creepy pasta. Yeah, some, it's maybe true. some weird sugar now. Pokemon. I don't know. I thought that this latest Pokemon was going to be the Pokemon that I was like, yes, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get into Pokemon again, a, a modern Pokemon. And I haven't still, but that's because I'm not made of money. Otherwise, I probably would have bought it and played it by now. But it's one of those things where one day I'm going to get into the new Pokemon. One day when I can one day. buy it. Because Switch games are still really expensive. Yeah, it's the typical lore of Nintendo as well. Like, games that are actually nintendo based made games never go down in price um pokemon games especially hardly ever go down in price even when new ones yeah. come out um so yeah it's just one of those things i mean you could borrow mine to be fair i've got it on a actual disc so i mean that would be lovely yeah when i can see you um, all right you can have it maybe i'll bring you cookies and we can do an exchange perfect Oh, in secret. I mean, that's not it's not secret anymore. I've just said it on the podcast. Yeah, we can we can put it down on the floor and step two feet away like a delivery yeah, man. Yeah, it's an essential trip, okay? Yeah. It's for my it's for my sanity. I need some Pokemon in my life. <laughs> uh but yeah, that is the end of my winter list. Nice. I guess that's that our winter list's done. Yeah, that's the end of our uh, current episode as it is. Um, we've we've talked about all things cosy and wintry and fun um, and some more Christmas things. Um, I feel like we'll do another more Christmassy based things maybe later. I feel yeah. like it's We can think about more next. Christmas. Next episode might be Christmassy. We'll also let you know about turtles and tortoises and how our walk went. Look forward to it, everyone. Yeah, it'll be a wonderful time. <laughs> uh, just before we end the podcast, Nikki, where can they find out more about us? GameTill5.com and also our social media, which is uh, just at GameTill5 anywhere, really. Yeah. And I'm going to plug myself shamelessly. I also have a Twitch channel where I stream stuff. So you can look for me at Elite Cat on Twitch. That would be lovely. Thank you. <laughs>
yeah that's that's all of the things all right then um so we'll we'll end today's episode on a very special outro that i found what is it steps. i don't think i've ever listened to it but here it is it's what do you quite... mean so i found it in our um our google drive um right. and it was just named game to five outro and i don't think we've ever used it or had it oh god okay here we go join us next time for another episode of game till five <laughs> what the fuck who even is that <laughs>